Welcome to Cancer and You, with psychotherapist and writer Karen Seeger, who has also been diagnosed with breast cancer twice. The program is for everybody affected by cancer, whether you are the one with the illness, family, a friend, colleague, or healthcare professional. Karen talks about the emotional and mental impact of cancer and how to cope. She records her shows on her orange houseboat on the River Thames in the UK. Please note that Cancer and You does not provide medical advice. And now over to your show host, Karen Seeger. Hello and welcome to Cancer and You with me, Karen Seeger. I'm a psychotherapist and writer, and in today's edition I would like to talk about how we cope when somebody else dies of cancer. If this is your first time here to the program, then you're most welcome. If you've listened before and you've come back for more, then it's great to have you back. I hope we all will enjoy today's program and can take something of use away from it. How do we cope when somebody else dies of cancer? Since my own diagnosis was breast cancer, now twice, this is something that occupies me increasingly so. And it also occupies those around me, my family, my friends. I don't know about you, there was a time when I felt guilty to be alive, guilty to have gone through cancer treatment and to have come through it at the other end. Though we all know that we pay a high price, but we are alive. During my cancer treatment, other people were diagnosed and died before I finished with my treatment. Later on, since then, people were diagnosed and are already dead. Sometimes there was no time for treatment, it was too late for that, or the treatment failed. There are so many things that can happen, we all know that. But there were moments I remember distinctly when I felt guilty for being alive. I've lost that guilt, because I don't know about you, but living with cancer or beyond cancer, whatever language you want to use, doesn't necessarily make things easier. There are reminders all around us and some of the side effects that we may carry forward from the cancer treatment we experienced will not let us forget what has happened and what may happen again in the future. Having cancer is not a competition. And surviving cancer for however long is not a competition either. Having a different kind of cancer to you or having a different type of treatment to the next person is not a competition either. Sometimes we may feel apologetic for not going through horrendous things that other people have to experience. I think it's unnecessary to put that burden on us. But what happens when other people do die ahead of us? And I say ahead of us not because I think we all will ultimately die from the cancer that we may have developed, but that is certainly something that we, probably all of us, sometimes consider and think about. And it doesn't have to happen this way at all. So how do we cope when someone else dies of cancer? How do we honour 
the pain of the loss we may feel if it's someone close to us, and the fear of what may lie ahead for us, and still keep going. Personally, this is something I have to redefine for myself on a regular basis. Just because we managed to cope with difficult situations before doesn't mean we can do so all of the time. Sometimes we get caught out and then things are particularly tough. The death of somebody else who's died of cancer can touch us in many ways, for many reasons, and it can leave us really unsettled emotionally and even physically. We can feel grief and fear physically. You know what I mean. After I was first diagnosed with cancer in 2012, I started to feel what many of us feel on a regular basis. It's a mix of empathy and dread when someone else dies of cancer. And since I have been diagnosed for the second time, things have not changed. On the contrary, it has become a bit worse and I have to work very hard to keep in charge of those feelings and not to lose perspective. And the way I feel is not limited to people that I know or people that are new and who have died and over the years there have been quite a few in my family and in my circle of friends who have died of cancer. But there are also people who I have never met whose death touches me. There are people that I'm aware of, perhaps via social media or through broadcast media, stories locally or globally. People share a lot more what's happening now than what they did before. And people are very generous with their own cancer experience and sharing it in the hope that it may be of use to others. I wrote about this some time ago when the BBC journalist Rachel Bland announced that her breast cancer was incurable. It was in 2018, just after I had been diagnosed with a local recurrence of my original breast cancer. And at the same time, my dog was also diagnosed with mast cell tumour by one of her nipples. So it was a very sensitive time for me and Rachel's news then and her subsequent death a few months later added to my burden. It made me very frightened. And so it is every time. And when I say it added to my burden, again, this may sound selfish, somebody's death added to my burden. But if you're part of the cancer community, you know what I mean. We feel others' death of cancer so intensely. But how can this be? Because the cancer news of another person, whether known to us or not, can re-trigger and intensify our own experiences, our hopes, our doubts, our anger and our fears. It can re-trigger memories of what we have gone through, of what we have witnessed. Unless we isolate ourselves from the rest of the world, feeling like this is normal and it will happen again and again and we need to find ways of coping with it. You know, with cancer comes uncertainty. 
because it is a complex and unpredictable disease. And as human beings, you, me and the next person, we want clarity. We prefer clarity. Rightly or wrongly, we have a need to control. And it can be hard to let go of that. And so I find I develop what I like to call a split attitude towards cancer. And perhaps you can relate to that. For example, I want to know everything. One minute, I want to know everything. And the next minute, I want to know nothing. I can be quite ambivalent. When others die of cancer, I want to know how much their cancer was like mine and how much it wasn't. And then there are days when I don't want to know anything. It's unbearable to take on more information, more clues, something that may give me the clarity that I dread or that may muddy the waters even further. I want to believe what I'm told, but I can't trust it. I find it very difficult. I have been given a lot of inconsistent information, perhaps sometimes for the best of reasons. When I was first treated and finished my treatment, I remember one oncologist telling me that I have been cured of cancer and another from the same hospital telling me that they've done the best that they could and now it's wait and see time. So I find it very difficult to get up my hopes, to get excited about good news because I always dread that there's disappointment around the corner. That's my very personal way of being prepared for bad news. It can make things difficult, I know, and I have to work very hard not to be too negative about things. You will have your own way of coping. When somebody else dies of cancer before us, we may also think, next time it's me. Why hasn't it been me? Do we taunt fate? I don't know. I know I'm not alone in this split attitude. One minute we want to know, the another minute we don't. Why wasn't it me? Next time it will be me. I don't want it to be me next time. So why do we do it? I think there are at least two reasons for this. One, because we are looking for clues. Bottom line, we will die of it. Or not? How similar or not is your story to mine? What did you do that I haven't done or shouldn't do? We are looking for clues. Two, we need to belong. We want to identify with someone's story, which is also ours, because identification gives a much-needed sense of belonging when the experience of illness is very lonely. But at the same time, we don't want to belong to any of it. The illness, the suffering, the uncertainty and the potential death. And I think therein lies one big risk. We may lose sight of the fact that cancer is complex. Over-identification with another person, with another case, can be unhelpful. Looking for clues all of the time can be unhelpful. Take breast cancer. There is no single type. Mine is different to Rachel's. It might be different to yours. 
and you might have a very different type of cancer altogether and a very different treatment experience. If you have breast cancer, then yours may be different to mine, as I said. There may be a different hormone profile, a grade, a different stage, a different size, a different location. You may have breast cancer that came back in your bones or in your vital organs. It doesn't have to be in the breast. As much as our overall and other specific areas of health may differ or may be the same, our experience of cancer does not have to be the same. Therefore, what may happen to me may not happen to you and vice versa. You may have the social or relational support that I lack or vice versa. We both may be struggling financially because of the illness or not. We may be in the same boat, yet our positions are not identical. Cancer is vague, yet excruciatingly precise in our bodies, the way it works, and we may find the uncertainty harder to deal with than clarity, which we don't get. But I, for one, have to make sense of it, and I have to keep going, and I have to keep my hope. I find living with the experience of cancer and living with cancer as I currently do is otherwise almost impossible. We have to find ways of keeping hope. If not hope for a cure, then hope that I can continue to cope well with the difficult days and that I can continue to live in peace with the possibility of dying from it a lot sooner than I want to and that other people want me to. And when someone else dies of cancer, then knowingly and sometimes unknowingly, a real darkness full of doubt, sadness and self-pity creeps up on me. Over the years I have become better at spotting it and that helps with riding it out and not getting stuck in it. Because what's the point? What good will come of this negativity? Nothing. What bad can come of it? Plenty. The link between emotional and physical well-being is well established. Stress and loneliness, to mention some, have a detrimental effect on our immune system. Stress, depression, anxiety and loneliness are just some of the emotions people affected by cancer face in their lives. Whether they have cancer or whether they are net status, no evidence of cancer. And indeed, if you're family or friend, you will realize this. When someone else dies of cancer, the death potential of our own cancer illness can get amplified and overshadows everything. It can make living with the disease and its potential that much harder. That very relevant and understandable pain, however, can detract from feeling grateful for the life of the one who has gone and for the life we still have. I find talking about gratitude when it comes to cancer is not always easy because there is a lot of anger around and there is also anger in me 
and it took me quite some time to get my head around feeling grateful for what I have, not out of a sense of guilt or survivor guilt, but grateful for who I am and for the life that I've had before cancer and the life that I still have. Because if I don't look at it in that way, it's almost like devaluing myself and the life that I have. It's not the life I want to have, but it's the life that I have. It's the one life I have. I would like to share with you my 50-10-40 rule. It's something that I've written about and you may have seen it on my website karensieger.com. I'll explain it to you. When others die of cancer, I know I will be affected. And I let it happen. I can't deny it. I let it happen. I have to feel the feeling because it's human and I don't want to turn into a machine, even if I could. But I try to keep to a rule because my mental, emotional and physical well-being depends on it. Otherwise, it's all getting out of hand. So, 50, 10, 40. 50% 50 empathy and grief for the other and myself. I allow the sadness for them and for myself without it feeling selfish. It's like a time of mourning we deserve and we need. But it must not become a permanent position to be in. That would not be fair on the other person or on us. No one would benefit from that. 50% of empathy and grief. 10% of self-indulging myself in pity and fear. I don't know about you, I can be very good at self-pity when I have my moments. It's human Again, I'm not denying it, but I know I have to keep it in proportion because self-pity can drag us into a dark hole. 50%, 10%, that leaves 40%. And that is 40% of gratitude for me, here, now. I know, as I said before, some cringe at the mention of gratitude when cancer is in the room. I had to work hard at getting to this position. But it's the best for me to be at. Because otherwise my life and my identity will become synonymous with cancer. And what I have not had because of it. And what I will never have because of it. Neither can I live with permanent cancer anger. Cancer and its potential is part of my body now and I cannot possibly be at war with my body or myself. When someone else dies of cancer, I try and avoid personal future gazing. It's so tempting to do it, isn't it? But I find I have to stay with the here and now. I have to keep my feet firmly on the ground. I have to honour that place wherever I find myself and cope with it as best as I can. In today's program of Cancer and You, we've talked a bit about what it's like when someone else dies of cancer and the effect that this can have on us. Like with so many programs, it feels I might have only just scratched the surface. You will have your own stories. But I hope that talking about it 
and sharing some of my own experiences with it may have given you some different perspective and perhaps some new ideas to explore. I hope you enjoyed the program, help spread the word. I hope to be able to welcome you here again soon. Take good care, look after yourself. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Cancer and You with your host Karen Seeger. You can follow Karen on Twitter, at Karen Seeger. Catch up with her articles, videos and work via her website, karenseeger.com. That is K-A-R-I-N-S-I-E-G-E-R. We look forward to welcoming you here again next time.